Today's scripture is going to be Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. TJ, um, man, it's uh, good to be here, good uh, to gather together, and a quick heads up, I'm preaching today, obviously, um, but then two pastors who I really love and respect will be preaching the next two Sundays. So um, Steve Treichler is a pastor in uh, downtown Minneapolis. Uh, they're actually one block from the Viking Stadium, so you can imagine Sunday mornings are, are very interesting for them. They actually have to, their whole church has to park in different areas on game days and stuff, but really neat guy. He's from the Iron Range way up north in Minnesota, um, but he will be here next Sunday, uh, continuing in our Advent series. Uh, then Cole Dykey is a pastor of Frontier Church in Des Moines. Great, great guy, great church. Um, and so uh, he will be here on the 18th, and uh, then, Lord willing, I'll be preaching on December 24th, and then kicking off our returning to our preaching through the book of Genesis then in January is the plan. So just kind of a preview of coming attractions, but I've heard from several people that Justin Dean from the Quad Cities uh, preached last week, a pastor down there, and, uh, and really was a blessing to me, and, and I've heard to, to many people, and so I, I believe the same will be true for the next couple weeks too. So we are in our series on Advent again. The Advent of Hope was last week. This week, uh, we're going in the advent of peace. And churches for centuries, I mean, that we are not like, hey, let's think of this clever new idea. This is one of those things that we follow in the footsteps of those who have followed Jesus before us and said, you know what, it's really good this time of the year to, to look back. And it's kind of like we've been spending a year on like a really long hike, and you know, like once in a while, you like you you get to like you're going up this mountain, and it's this long hike, and you you kind of have this collective like, hey, let's take a break, <laughs> and let's let's stop here on the trail. There's a long way to go, but let's maybe stop here and look back at where we've come. And I think sometimes when you look back at where you come, it's like, okay, I'm. I'm getting renewed a little bit here. I'm getting I'm getting energized a little bit, and and I'm catching my breath. And it's like we get perspective on going forward. So by looking back, we get this perspective to go forward. And that's a lot of Advent is this kind of like, I'm already been kind of going this way. We're looking back to be able to go forward. And um, I would encourage you, I thought Justin, uh, the way he led into last week and just giving a little bit of context for Advent and especially to hope, um, either I mean, we're all running errands all over the place. I'm driving all over the state for basketball, it feels like, this time of the year. And so maybe take the opportunity to go back into that uh, to be able to, to keep going and, and moving into this week. So the advent of peace. The concept of peace existed before this moment, but I would, I would argue that peace that people would feel was a shadow 
of this real aspect of peace that we are going to look into to truly say that the advent of peace happened here. And where we are going in scripture, as TJ read, is the book of Isaiah. Now let me either remind you or maybe have you see for the first time, realize Isaiah is written in 700 B.C., 700 B.C., there are a people on the ground in what we know today of Israel who are absolutely living the opposite of peace. Insert any word you want into the blank of just what the opposite of peace would be. Despair, conflict, hopelessness, anxiety, fear, I think they might use the word war. The government of Assyria, the might, the the full might of one of the most powerful empires of the day, the might of Assyria, the, the full weight of the Assyrians was poised to just crush the people of God. And they sought God for rescue, which was good. They didn't turn to do lesser things, they sought God for rescue and they weren't crushed. We know from history, you can actually go to the British Museum and see things that prove the Assyrians did not crush the Israelites in 700 BC. But through it all, God gave all of us the book of Isaiah in that moment. Isaiah the prophet was alive at that time. He watched the fires at night of all of the Assyrian camps that were taking a break from trying to crush them. And as he was watching those things, he was also receiving dispatches from heaven for the good of us all that we know as the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah 9 and this, I mean, we're, we're going to cover not even two verses of Scripture, but um, as we saw in the life of Jesus, like, he doesn't need many words to communicate what we need. And he is not wasting words here. Um, we're just going to start Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, in the middle of just in the middle of the war for to us a child is born to us a son is given full stop as i was looking at this this week i'm like this is a birth announcement like if you didn't tie it to anything else this is a a birth announcement that is strange it's unexpected What the people fighting the Assyrians were expecting was not a birth announcement. I guarantee you. They weren't like, oh, this is exactly what we were looking for. That is exactly the answer to our prayers. Yes, the Assyrians are there. We needed someone to be born. Thank you. Like, they, they weren't there at all. And as I thought about birth announcements, it made me think of our newest member of our church, uh, um, the Oswald family, Hoyt Oswald. Absolutely love 
your name, Hoyt. It's amazing. So, uh, you know, we have Facebook today and all that stuff, but if the Oswalds sent out a birth announcement, if Bryce and Katie sent out a birth announcement, you know, I think it could easily say, like, born to the Oswalt family, or born to Bryce and Katie Oswalt, Hoyt Oswalt. You know, they would give the, the date of his birth, some information, photos so that we could see him, and we're excited for the Oswalds. Receiving the announcement, we're excited for the Oswalds. And depending on your closeness to their family, I, I, I think it, that usually affects your excitement level too. You know, like you could hear about a baby you've never heard of before, a family you've never heard of, and be like, oh, that's great, that's great, I'm glad that they, you know, but there, there's a deeper excitement, joy, the closer you are to Hoyt, the closer you are to the family. And in some ways, I think a birth announcement is a sort of looking back. Hey, we're letting you know what has happened. This has happened, here are some details of what has happened, um, and I think a birth announcement for many people leads to something along the lines of, I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to get to know him. So look again at what we just read. It's a birth announcement, but let's look a little closer and slow down a little bit. For to us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. You know, there might be some people in this room like, uh-uh, I'm not having any more kids, you know? Like, been there, done that, right? But we should, it should strike us that way. Who this child is born into isn't some other family. It's not like, oh, born into the Oswald family. Oh, I'm so happy for them, you know, I'm, praying that they get rest and, you know, and can't wait to meet him, but he's not my son. But there is a closeness to this birth announcement that it almost feels like we're the parents of this child, or like, like that's how close of a relationship this announcement is assuming by saying the things that it's saying. A child born to them, to us. And another thing, this made me laugh this week. Um, you know, you just like, a, a dude growing up, you know, high school, you hear about, you know, college and stuff, is like, I just didn't give a lot of thought to a birth announcement, you know? I didn't give a lot of thought to like, what a guy communicates to people about a baby being born. So like, um, and my boss at the time said, like, it was the funniest voicemail he had ever heard, and he wished he would have recorded or kept it, but was when I first called my boss when we lived in Dallas to tell him that Hannah had just been born. And he was like, he's just like, you were, like, so high-pitched, you know, like, you were all this stuff, uh, like, telling the story and all this stuff. But what I didn't realize that was so crucial in announcing a birth is giving the weight and the length. You know, like so, you know, like the first couple of people I told, you know, I was like, hey, Hannah's born and this and this and this. And they're like, what's her weight and length? You know, and I was just like, 
who cares? You know, it's, uh, it's a baby, you know, it's baby weight and baby length, you know. Um, but then I, I realized, like, that's actually something that's important and people care about is, is knowing the weight and the length. And, and of course, you're like, well, you're not giving birth to it, so a 10-pound baby is significantly a different experience than, you know, whatever, you know. So I've come to appreciate the value of weight and length. Um, and so... So I'm stretching this a little bit, but I'm believing this, okay, is in the birth announcement in Isaiah 9, did you see the weight? Have you, have you seen the weight? TJ read it. I haven't read it yet. Here's the weight. It's verse 6. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A government will not be upon his shoulder. Government shall be upon his shoulder. If you're wondering how weighty he is. His name, if you're interested, which I hope you are, his name is Wonderful Counselor. In the original Hebrew, that word wonderful, um, it has a supernatural flavor to it. His counseling, we see it in the word wonderful, but I, we kind of think of the word wonderful as like a you know, wonderful performance tonight you know, type deal. The, the nuance of this word is more with an emphasis on wonder. His counseling should leave us in wonder. That's what it means for him to be a wonderful counselor. We are full of wonder when the weight of his counseling is received by us. It will be miraculous. It will be good counseling. Mighty God. That's his name. Mighty God. And not very many people that could refer to. Truly, Jesus is the only one in human history that has even claimed this in a way that, that is clear, that he is mighty God in a child. Like, this would require, and we'll talk more about this, um, well, for Lord willing, the rest of the history of this church, but the reality that how can a baby be God? How can passing through the birth canal of Mary be the one that made her and designed her and designed the entire world? And that is the, the marvel of the incarnation of Jesus of Christmas and is how light can come into the world and be an eternal light. And so without going deeper into that, just to know like in this birth announcement, if you wanna know the weight of this child, saying mighty God will give you a clue of how weighty of a baby we are talking about who has been given to you. Then everlasting father. Should make you be like, what? Because 
Trinitarian theology must, in order to be congruent with scripture, must say the Son and the Father are not the same. The Son is not the Father, the Father is not the Holy Spirit. We, our God is one God, three persons, each person distinct in will and other areas from each other, okay? So this baby cannot be the Father, and that is not the way to view this, is not the first person of the Trinity being the Father. The way to view this is that his name shows to us that he will always be the protector of his family. So when you look at traits of father in the design of God compared to traits of mother that are compatible, are meant to be distinct, that Jesus, this child, will forever be the traits of father lived out for you. He will be an everlasting father. And I think the best way to say it is he will forever be a protector of his family. And then prince of peace. His reign will bring, will bring peace. The advent of peace. In the birth announcement of, of our child, that's his weight. That's his weight. He is very weighty. Okay, now how about his length? What's the length of this child? And, and the, the very, um, verse seven, verse seven. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The length of the influence of Jesus, the only one that this could possibly refer to, Jesus, the, the one that this will ever refer to, his length of influence, his length in our lives, the lengths he goes to in establishing his government, his society, there will be no end. If you're like, okay, it's going like this, what he's saying is that it will always go like this, and there will never be a time where it doesn't stop going like this. There will be no end. And let's not, let's not miss the absolutely crucial third word in this verse, of the increase, not just of his government, but the increase of his government, there will be no end. Quite the length in this birth announcement, you know, so when we, you know, maybe disappointed that the Democratic, like, the votes that, like, Iowa isn't going to have the first vote anymore on at least that in caucus side and stuff, you know, and just being like, oh, man, the government or, you know, various views and all that stuff, but to realize, like, his government is not this, like, man, I hope one day, you know, something might, it, there is a steady increase that is part of this birth announcement. And remember, these are also people who are facing war with the most powerful government that is existing at the time. And he's saying, this child, his government, will, the Syrian government ended a long time ago. I mean, you have to go to the British Museum and places, even see remnants of it. And we won't have to see that. You, know, you go here to see remnants of the, the government that is to come, and that has come and is coming.
and is increasing. So that's true for the increase of his government, and it's true for peace, the advent of peace. The prince of peace has come, and there will be an increase of his peace that will never stop. There will be no end. Peace has come, peace is coming, peace will increase, it will remain increasing, and peace will always be on the increase, and there will be no end to it. And I think sometimes, like, like my thought and my response is like, okay, like, what do I have to do? Like, like what are the, do I need to give a little bit of money? Like, do I need to pray certain things? Do I need to know certain things? Like, like for that to become real in my life, like, what's my action step? What do I have to do for that to become a reality? So it's a good question. I, I think it's like, it's, it's a fair question. For, hopefully, if people asking that are people who are like, yes, I want that. I, I would like more peace in me and through me and around me. Like, like what, what do I need to do? And I, I love the last section of verse seven. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He loves us way too much for it to be like, all of that will happen if you dot, dot, dot. He's like, this is happening. This is, this is like, I'm not relying on you for any of this. There's no action step from you that will put all of this into action. My passion will do this. My zeal pursuing you will make this be not a question mark, but an exclamation point. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, and you can't stop me. Like, this is all happening whether you want it to happen or not. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this because of him, because of his zeal for us. The advent of peace has happened not because we brokered some deal with him, but it's happened because of his one-way zeal for us, his passion for our peace. We don't create this. We don't make it happen. It's born in the heart of God. It's carried out in the passion of God for you and for me, and the increase of it will never end. To us, a child is born. Not if we decide, well, I guess that maybe is gonna happen. It's like, no, all this has already happened way before we were even aware of it. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And our only action is to receive him. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, hey, what did you do to get your Christmas present? It's like, I think I did this, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, you didn't drive to Ankeny and battle? I think I did this. Like, that was about, maybe this, you know, like, like, that was like, that was the extent of what I did, and another did everything else. That's our, like, his desire for our action is receiving what is happening. Receiving him is receiving peace. When we, you know, it's like, 
all of these lights, you know, this isn't like a, just like, well, I guess we just do this, but it's like, if we turn all these lights off, it is like completely dark in here, right? Like only in rural Iowa, like in other places, can you get that like, can't see my hand dark, right? And so it's like, the dark is still here. <laughs> it's just that the light is shining it all away. And if we, we just say like, well, let's turn off lights. It's like, oh my gosh, the dark came back. Like how often do we have to do this before the dark just gets the idea and it just stops coming back? Right? It's like, no, no, that's just not the way to think about it. And, and what I love is like, I mean, that is why light, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so it's like, well, his peace should make the darkness just never come back. And it's like, yeah, that is coming. That's part of the ever-increasing peace that there will be a time that it's just like we don't even remember. I think we remember in a way that's helpful for our present, but we won't experience the darkness anymore. But, but there are still aspects where we will experience darkness through conflict, through, through tragedy, through many things we'll experience darkness. And the, the answer isn't just like, man, I guess it, it's, man, I need to receive light. <laughs> I, I, he is doing this. And my response is reception. Even in, even in conflict, conflict will only be surface if we aren't both, if, if, we, if what is fueling our hearts isn't the peace of Jesus to allow us to then move towards each other in a way that is peaceful, not just in a way that is argumentative or trying to prove your point or whatever it may be. And we have that conversation a lot in our family. <laughs> you know, what does it mean to, to truly get to a place of peace in the middle of a conflict in our family? Not just to say, not to just get to where you convince the other person you're right or whatever, but to truly say like, hey, we're at peace here. That was, that's nice. By receiving him and his ways and, and receiving what he is doing for us, reigning over us as prince of peace. We are loved freely by him. All are invited to us, a child is born. All are invited. Here's the crazy, loving heart of our God. None are forced. All are invited. None are forced. So we can ignore him. We can ignore the birth announcement. We can ignore all that it means. And if we do, we're ignoring peace. We're ignoring that peace has come, that peace is coming, that ever-increasing peace has been unleashed for our good. We're ignoring God's pursuit of us. If we're, we're ignoring an increase of his power and his peace in our life forever, and you could say, how dare you speak so boldly? And man, I don't, I speak this way because I love you and I love God. And you would speak the same to me in a loving relationship. Like, you know, you don't get mad and frustrated at a doctor for telling you the truth. Even if it's bad news, it's like, okay, that bad news is, is bad, but I'm grateful for truth. Because it's better to embrace the truth than to live a lie that will kill you. And the beauty here is that the cure is pursuing you with zeal. 
and passion for any who are ignoring him. He is the cure. Receiving Jesus is receiving the Prince of Peace to rule over your past, present, and future, to give you an ever-increasing future of peace that never stops. You can ignore him, but I plead with you not to. And none are forced. Second, we can reject him. It's like, okay, I'm not ignoring him, but I'm rejecting him. And you're rejecting an ever-increasing reign over your soul and an ever-increasing peace that has no end. And I plead with, maybe somebody listening on Facebook, but I plead with each of us, would we not reject him? And even beautiful places of prayer can just be like, man, my heart says, like, I want to reject you, but, like, if you're real and this is real, why would I want to reject that? Like, what is that, what's going on that would make me want to reject that? Like, asking those questions, and, man, this isn't like a accept him or you're not welcome here. This is a, like, man, you're welcome here. I've had people come to church for, for over a decade and hear a message like this, and then finally respond, you know, in a way that I think God would say, that's why I've had you here for so long, is like I've wanted you maybe to, to be around people, maybe like answer some questions and all of those things. Um, but if you reject him for a lifetime, you are rejecting peace for ever. Because it's ever increasing through the one that's given to you. Now, if you've rejected him for your entire life, his zeal for you will instantly forgive you if that's your desire. He only wants people to freely come to him. He's not a weird ex-boyfriend or something that's trying to control you or any of those things. Like He truly has your best in mind and he knows love flows most beautifully when it's flowing freely. And he is not holding his cards close to his chest. He is, he's put all of his cards on the table and he's inviting all of us to do the same. If that's your desire, to receive him, for us to receive him. And my prayer, because only God can get our hearts to that place, but our, my prayer is that we would be a community receiving the child that is born to us, the son that is given to us, that we would receive him saying, yes, he's given to me. He's born to me and to those around me. And that leads us to worship that, that his zeal would become our zeal for him, that we would reflect the love that he is pouring into us to both, both back to him, but to those around us too, which is causing peace around us too, that we would receive a child that's born, a son is given, that the advent of peace that we look back to, yearn for more of, live in, and go forward would be an ever-increasing portion with no end, and we would step into the stream of that today as a community of believers. So can I pray for us to, those, to that end? Lord, I do thank you for your advent of peace on our behalf. I thank you, Lord, that uh, these things are wonderfully true, 
And Lord, I do pray that if you are beckoning someone to respond to your zeal for them, your love for them, your peace pouring out to them, Lord, would, um, would even now you just be making that abundantly clear and would, um, Lord, for every heart here, all of us, would you just find open hearts receiving you this morning? Lord, we, we want to be a community. We want to be a people that are receiving your peace and will spend a lifetime even understanding the depths of that. And that will be a joy to us. Lord, we yearn for you. We yearn for your peace. Would all of us be open hands, open hearts to receive you this morning. For your glory, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Communion is a, uh, it's a tangible expression of communing with him. This was Jesus' design. Remember, even he was with his disciples the night before he bled and died for us. He was with his disciples, and he said, hey, we're going to do a meal that in a special, you know, they could have just sat around the room and talked, but he was wanting them to take things inside of them that would be nutrients for their souls, that he was wanting, the, wanting them to experience and smell and taste um, his zeal for them and, and to commune with, with, with him alive and well uh, to, to together you know, he didn't put everybody in a room by themselves. Just as family, he taught us this meal. And he said, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And he said, I won't do this again until we're all together. So I love it. So he invited us to do it. And then we will, we will have communion with him together as the whole church. Anyone who's ever given their life to Jesus. And that will be, that's known as the day. <laughs> it doesn't even have to have a Wednesday or it's the day that, uh, that uh, we will never forget. Um, and now we commune with him. So let's take some moments. Um, man, however you're feeling led to, to commune with him, interact with him, get your heart ready for that moment. Um, if you feel like the Lord is beckoning you to give your life to Jesus, um, you can talk to me, I'll be over here. But you can just talk to him and just say, here we are, I'm yours, I receive, I receive. And then, and then come to the table. You can run it. You can push people out of the way and get to the table for the first time as a follower of Jesus. We would be weeping and we would love it. So, uh, so let's spend some moments and let's come take the elements and then I'll lead us as family to take it together.